Welcome. Special episode, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks sponsors, Tops Panini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. The episode's titled uh, just a tribute to Herb Adderley, who just very recently passed away before the weekend, and I really couldn't do anything on, on uh, Saturday. I think he passed away on Friday. But today's Monday. Actually, tomorrow is Election Day. I'll make a comment about that at the end. But just remembering Herb Adderley, he was one of the rare guys that played on the Packers and the Cowboys and uh, won Super Bowls with both. But very recently deceased, was a great player. That was the trend back in the... 50s, 40s, 50s, and 60s even, I think, is that they took great athletes who perhaps had played on the offensive side of the ball and turned them into cornerbacks or defensive backs or safeties. Same story with Mel Renfro, who was our guy down here, also a Hall of Famer. But Herb Adderley was a feared and respected uh, opponent. I lived in, in Texas at that time, and uh, certainly the Packers were a problem for the Cowboys in the 60s and in the 70s. The, the Cowboys had their day, but one of the things that comes up when you think about a great player like that and how he was recognized as a great player, which is actually, I think, more difficult when you're dealing with uh, a legendary team like the Packers had, like the Cowboys had. And so where do you recognize the individual ability when somebody's a defensive back, but he's got Willie Davis rushing the passer or uh, Mel Renfro has uh, Bob Lilly anchoring the defensive line, among others who are not great players who may not yet be in the Hall of Fame, but lots of Packers, lots of Cowboys in the Hall of Fame. And so when they're portioning out the credit, Herb Adderley was one of the first ones to get in. So he was recognized uh, by his peers, by the media as, as a great player, being a great halfback and receiver in college. But what would you do if you're Vince Lombardi and you get this, you draft this guy and you've already got Paul Horning and Jim Taylor, who were uh, already very established and uh, legendary running backs in their own. And so he moved uh, Herb to the defensive side of the ball. And that's how Herb made the Hall of Fame. In fact, another trend from back in the 60s. Those really good guys like that, they'd also return kicks. And so Herb Adderley was great at that, too. But then, uh, like now, it's such a kamikaze event, the kickoff, not so much now, but you'd put somebody really fast, really shifty, really good, elusive back there. And so he did that as well. Another mark uh, that set him apart. His rookie cards, the recognized rookie cards are, he's just got the Philadelphia Philadelphia gum card in 64, which is not his rookie season. He'd already been in the league for a number of years. He's got that Lake to Lake card, which I think is an excellent card, but again, not a mainstream. It was a regionally distributed milk company set. Still very collectible, but not not a rookie card in the national distribution in a pack sense. But he's got a 64 Philadelphia gum. Philadelphia was the set, though, in those days. It wasn't a secondary set to tops, if you consider that Philadelphia gum in from 64 to 67 was the set. Those were the sets that had the license from the NFL, or now the NFC, but they were separate at that time. So the original NFL teams were all represented in Philadelphia gum, and uh, tops actually had the AFC, or the American AFL, in those days. 2020 is a year where I've heard the term tossed around ridiculous prices. I want to flip it and say, when I looked at what's available for Herb Adderley, those are ridiculous prices low. In fact, when these other excellent podcasts and uh, platforms talk about the market cap of of a rookie card, the Herb Adderley, when you add it all up, you could, it is pretty, it's ridiculous. You know, that he was a great player, certainly a worthy Hall of Famer. And when you look at the price of his cards in his early year cards, 
that and, and you realize how much lower production was for Topps football or Philadelphia football back in the day. They're not uh, impossible to find. They're, they're actually tough to find in eights and nines and tens, but they are, they're out there. And some of Herb Adderley's second, third, fourth year cards are under 10 bucks raw. And again, I just, I, I it's, it's as, well, it's not as ridiculous. It's a different kind of ridiculous. So I really believe that football uh, players from the 60s or 50s or even 70s are quite undervalued in that sense. But if you compare to baseball, but, and now we've seen that some of the iconic football players are moving up, but it's mainly the people that, the, the guys that got the headlines that scored a lot of points, a lot of touchdowns, quarterbacks, Jimmy Brown, receivers, like fantasy guys. Uh, on the other hand, the next group, I think, should be people like Herb Adderley and Mel Renfro, who had uh, lots of interceptions, were all pros, were, were defensive stalwarts. Some of the defensive linemen that got a lot of sacks where you could point to them and say they were, you, you could see their performance was evident. And bringing up the rear, unfortunately, because now they're some of the highest paid uh, players are the offensive linemen, uh, because it's just, you just, it's hard to, they, they're, evaluated by how few mistakes they make that <laughs> they didn't let people get into they they opened up holes or they didn't let the, uh, anybody get in to, to sack their quarterback i i know there's a lot of packer collectors out there i know there's a lot of cowboy collectors and and other teams as well and like i say with it's not just a blind obedience or following of a team when you follow a team really closely you know who the stars are and Herb Adderley was uh, one of the stars so i'm not recommending that you go out and and uh, buy up all the Herb Adderley's, that seems a little bit opportunistic. On the other hand, if you look at it in the broader category, you got Willie Wood out there, you've got Mel Renfro, Willie Brown from the AFC, Larry Wilson, Johnny Robinson, who just got in, all those guys, Jimmy Johnson, the other Jim Johnson for the defensive back for the 49ers. Those guys were great players. Paul Krause, Bob Jeter, who also has CFL cards. I'm, again, I don't think there's going to be a huge run, but just based on supply and demand, if demand increased just a little bit, there's not a big supply of Herb Adderley or any of these other guys that I'm talking about. They played, they were part of what's made fo- football such a popular sport now. And again, I believe their cards are very collectible. They're tougher to find than their baseball counterparts and probably, arguably tough in higher grades. Okay, another quick topic. I've already had a couple episodes about the election and about how that might affect our collecting world, our little microcosm. And I feel like I've mentioned things that, but but there's one thing that I don't think has been stated in some of these other things that I do think has a connection to collecting. And that's, I did a show on low pop and I meant low population in the grading world, but low pop has another meaning in the sense of this election. As I think if you looked at a, a county map of the United States by color, by how they vote, you would see an awful lot of red splotches for suburban counties and out from the city's counties. And you'd have a lot of uh, blue uh, splotches in the urban areas with higher population density. So population density, I think, actually is a can't. We're, we, we live in a democracy. It's actually a republic. We elect our representatives and there's the electoral college and all that stuff is. But if you look at America, it's hard to get a handle from that kind of a map what people think. It looks like people that don't live in the high population density areas are probably more democratic. Just if I stick with the parties, that they are more uh, Democrats are noted for having bigger government and uh, greater services. 
and uh, Republicans the other way around to some degree. So how does that affect collecting? My thesis is that I, I think it's tough to be a collector if you grow up or live in a high population density area, whether it's inner city or in a, in a, any, and again, if that goes with lower security and less safety, then I don't know that I'd want to be a collector if I'm living in an area where, where, the, where there's high crime. You could make these, there's, I remember Adam Gray had an episode last uh, week or so where he talked about how he built his collection bootstrapping. He, he set aside some money and he just successively built it by trading up and uh, making good deals. That's not an option if you live in an unsafe area. And if you live in an unsafe area, then you, <laughs> your collection, your valuables are at risk. And I'm thinking about my upbringing and I thought, did I, what risk did I have? We lived in the suburbs. My risk was that my mom (laughs) would do something to my cards if I didn't put them away. I had a a great little brother. Could my little brother have gotten my cards? Well, actually, again, uh, spoiler alert, I, I actually got his cards. But then again, later I'm in college. And I did not have my cards with me at college, which I think would not have been a good idea. If you're living in close quarters, having a, a value, they weren't valuable that much at that time, but they're valuable now. And so just the risk. And then after I got out of college is when I uh, brought my cards and I lived in an apartment and I had my own bedroom and I don't remember locking my bedroom, but I had, I had some great trustworthy roommates. And again, it would have been petty larceny at the time, not, uh, not grand larceny. And we, we were, seemed like all my buddies were really into sports, but they weren't all into collecting, at least as young adults when I was in grad school at that time. So population density, again, not everyone has the op- the opportunity to to move into the suburbs. And if they don't have that opportunity to move into a, a, a safer area, they actually may not have the opportunity to be a serious collector. And I feel sad about that. I'm not sure what the answer is. There's two sets of answers, one set from the Republicans and one set from the Democrats. And we will see which one prevails because you're voting tomorrow if you haven't already voted, which so many people have. You're not just voting for a person or persons. You're voting for a party and a platform and policies. And if those policies change, Either way, I think they're going to change, and uh, hopefully they'll change in ways that allow collecting to continue to flourish. Twenty twenty has been a great year in many respects, and I, I hope twenty twenty one is a great year as well. So, anyway, thanks for the reminiscence about uh, Herb Adderley and football cards in general from that year. They're way less populous, and uh, if there's any run on that, it, it, they would it, today's prices could look really cheap. Again, not prophetic or predicting, but there's the opportunity when demand, when supply is lower than something else that has an established price. If demand kicks up even a little bit, you could get a run on it and prices could, could, could take off. So thanks everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode.